Kicking off the old radio ranch here again. It's a Tuesday this time around, and the date sequence is 4-14-20. Doesn't sound too ominous. Of course, it's the radio ranch. Roger Sales with you. You're all total functioning host, call screener, engineer, technical guy, historian, music director. I'm going to be the music director today, Chris, and uh, commentator analyst, all that stuff, and we try and elicit your contribution and involvement here and have a two-hour get-together where we discuss things of great import to our current-day lives, our future, and possibly our progeny, should we have any. Hey, Chris, morning. Join us. Well, good morning to you, Roger. In fact, it is another day in America so far, although we're not sure how it's Right, change, but uh, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful day out here, and uh, glad to be on the radio with you. Yeah, good too. You're going to have that little dog yipping for us there today? Chris? Well, it might be. Uh, we did go to a surgery thing yesterday for a special lady, and uh, uh, it was successful, and uh, she's still recovering, of course, uh-huh. but... Uh, all in all, things are happy, happy, and the dog okay. is quiet right now. Good deal. We'll have a couple of bones there handy, would you? Uh, it's an interesting uh, interesting time. There's just so much going on. There's a lot of uncertainty, as you would imagine, and there's a lot of people that are reaching out and grasping on things. I haven't looked into it. I don't know. Uh, but there's all kinds of videos floating around that FEMA's taken over the country and uh, the presidential seal's not in front of the podium anymore, and the flag isn't flying, and all kinds of stuff. Um, and I guess as you sit back uh, and look at it, you can expect to get a lot of people um, reaching for answers, you know, and things that explain uh, what's going on. And the the explanations generally are not that simple. This is in my experience uh, through this. 30 years almost of patriot kind of activity trying to figure out what's going wrong and what's going on and how it's being done and all those kind of things. I just, I think maybe just sit back and mark time right now and see that how things develop there. There are some, it, it becomes clearer to me uh, uh, by the day. I think this was an accidental screw up by China. Okay. And uh, one of the things that's come out, if you haven't checked zero hedge, uh, here right for the show, uh, there's a very interesting headline story that the State Department had some people that toured some, uh, they they list the, the folks there in the article that toured one of the Wuhan labs back last year and sent back two, they weren't classified, but two diplomatic cables to the State Department saying, hey, these folks are playing with fire here and we could get something that comes out of it very bad their uh methods and the ways they do things are not as good as they should be and you know what i heard that echoed on one of these uh 
one of these videos that we talked about yesterday. I believe it was the interview, the one you sent me, the origins of the coronavirus, Chris. Towards the back end of that, they interviewed this gal, had a few clips of her there in, dispersed throughout it that was a 40-year uh, experienced person on our side over here in the biolab stuff had worked at Fort Detrick back, you know, 40 decades ago. And she was talking in that video and her, her, uh, uh, what do you theory or her statement was that this was accidentally released because I've been in those biolab level fours and I know that they, their, their protocols are sloppy. Their methods are sloppy, and has and it's always been that way for forty years that she's been around them. So that's my feeling, and of course that just casts an aspersion on what some of the repercussions are going to be. Because as that comes out and becomes more understood, um, it's going to have a dramatic effect on probably the rest of the time we're around, many of us, uh, because it looks like what we're going into economically and the stifling because of the virus. And as we said from the get-go, globalization's dead. I mean, that's one of the first things we themes we hit on when this thing broke, and it, it's great. But that's going to mean a whole transition back to a more locally and decentralized economy, uh, uh, do, doing things locally, all that kind of stuff. A lot of the technology that we've been blitzing through this technology uh, stampede of technology every day, there's a new big important breakthrough or ever seems like it. Well, you, that's going to that's gonna go. I was watching a very good Cliff High video from yesterday, and he, was say, he said, man, whatever iPhone that you've got right now, if you got one of these 11 whatevers or something iPhone, there probably ain't going to be another one for many years. You know, three to five years is what he's talking. Okay. And that the overall effect, and it's very interesting the way he laid it out. And that's why I like, I just like Cliff's logic and the way his mind works always have. And, uh, he draws a line, a horizontal line from side to side on the trajectory of where we were going, you know, developing as a, and he, he takes, because of this, one of the things that was enabling that to happen was it was built on the backbone of technological development and improvement. Well, that's gone for a while. It's not gone totally, but it's not going to be around for a while. And that's going to drop us down below that line, projected line, he's saying, for 18 years. And he came up with that statement on the video, and I'll put it at the end of today's show description. I finally got both shows up last Friday and yesterday's, yeah, yesterday, by the way. And it it's cast box that's the problem. And... uh I can't overcome it, but they must have got it straight because everything went straight through, and I got those two shows up yesterday. If you want to listen to them, miss them, want to pass them around, whatever. But he was referring to somebody he knows that does high-level thinking for the uh, that the government taps into, you know, some of these people that do high-level thinking, and that's what these guys' estimate is, is about 18 years we're going to be in this. Uh, before the technological line that's dropped below is going to recross the line trajectory it was on originally before this happened. Um, so the people that take a more... Now, I'm not saying that the New World Order isn't real adept at thinking on their feet, and they're very good at taking advantage of a crisis 
uh, you know, Rahm Emanuel's never let a good crisis go to waste. But I don't believe this one was man-made. I think they were working on it, but that it accidentally snuck out ahead of their timetable. And you can see that by how unprepared everybody is. Okay? If it well, was, not- it, it, they would have had things a lot better planned out. Okay, and a few things may have gone wrong in their planning as did in 9-11 and some of the other false flags, but this one's caught them left-footed, it looks like to me. So, you know, in thinking about the future and some of these wild things that are saying, uh, listen, they don't want FEMA going around trying to screw with people. Right now, if people on hairline trigger with all the guns and ammo Americans have got, are you kidding me? With the internet, they'd get word to get out that that was going on. They'd have absolute, you just have world, you'd have it going on right up there. Okay. People aren't in any kind of mood for that right now. So um, it, it, it looks like to me, and I, I somebody sent me, and I get so many videos from all of you, and I thank you for sending them. Some of them I just don't have time to listen to. Uh, you know, there's only so much time. And, so, uh, but there was a doctor being interviewed on a short video and he was just absolutely ecstatic because he was reading an article that was written off of an interview that was on XM radio by the surgeon general, the, the, he's a black guy, you know, that is up there and he got Jerome on, Adam. what's his name? Jerome Adams. Yeah. A sharp guy. And Jerome got up there and said that they're totally yanking everything away from the CDC's models and FASHI's models and all that. And they're going back to hard data and making decisions off the hard data that's coming in and not getting sidetracked with all these projections that are so outlandish. So uh, you see some sanity coming back into it, at least, it looks like to me. And uh, every day we're going to know more one one area or another that's going to uh, get a little firm foundation. But uh, the, the one thing, and I've never been a real big food guy, you know. I mean, I was around Y2K, and that flapped on its face. And so it, it's never been. I've never seen it as a super big priority, but I'm telling you, Food is going to move up into a high priority. It's going to be very scarce, and it's going to go into very expensive territory. And any of you, as soon as possible, to have the ability to start gardens and start doing that kind of stuff for yourself, start making connections with local people that do. If you can't and don't, uh, you'd be way ahead of the game. Well, I think you're right on most counts there, but I do note particularly that we can change the circumstances, but we can't change consequences of circumstances. And I think that's the ultimate unknown scenario that we're dealing with. Um, whether it was U.S. and Chinese agents working together, maybe deep state U.S., uh, who provided serious funding to the Wuhan lab, of course, uh, controlled and owned substantially by George Soros, uh, is Ultimately, well, inconsequential. There's and two. Well, I don't know. All those kind of details at some point add color, okay? Now, you say funded substantially. First of all, there's two Wuhan labs. There ain't just one, okay? That's They're true. 20 miles apart, all right? And I, I sense that one of them is more internationally funded and otherwise, and the other one's probably a Chinese Communist Party one, okay? That's my sense, 
We know the extent, because it came out yesterday, the federal government had subsidized with grants one of those labs, probably the one that had all the other investment, to the tune of $3.7 million. Well, that ain't yep. a whole lot of money, okay, really. Uh, uh, but you're right. The, there were Soros is probably in there. Bill Gates is probably in there. All that stuff. All right. Well, and some other things I heard this morning that I thought were particularly new and novel, if you will. Uh, listening to John Moore, he had a real interesting fellow on this morning that was supposed CIA guy that has a website that I think would be, uh, let's call it, interesting for many of our listeners and contributors to take a look at. I'm kind of looking for the name of it here real quick. Uh, his name was Steve Ben-Noon. Uh, I'm not sure, maybe B-E-N-N-O-O-N, I suppose, but I'm not sure about the name. But he has IsraeliNewsLive.org. And he was a former CIA with deep connections, I guess, over there and over here. And um, you know, there's some activity coming in a uh, asteroid belt that we're going to be passing through uh, within the next 18 months. There are lots of forces beating the war drums louder and louder for World War III around the planet. Uh, South America, the Chinese and Taiwan. Uh, I mean, it's just... Well, we're going to go in... Wars, well, that's one thing that Cliff stresses on that video from yesterday. He said, we're going into a war. It may not be a hot war, but it's certainly going to be a cold war. Okay, I mean, we were really already entering into it with China with this year-and-a-half-long, two-year-long trade dispute we've been banging them up with. Okay? And they were already at war with us, putting all their students and stealing all the stuff from the universities and the corporations and everything they've been doing. We've been in an economic war for quite some time, ever since they let these guys into the World Trade Organization. Now, this was all done by our people. They set this up because that's their big-time world vision. And China was the next move. You know, it went from Europe to the U.S. back in the last century. They fattened up the U.S. like a cow out in the field. Then they start trimming off the fat, and they take all the fat originally and send it down to Central America and South America, Mexico, etc. when they started moving the factories down there, the giant sucking sound that Ross Perot referred to. But after that... Then it sucked on over into China. They got China in the World Trade Organization, and all this has developed. This is intentionally done by the, the damn oligarchs that run our country, where they run the world. And this was the step, and it's backfired on them. Okay? Well, curiously, this uh, fellow I was listening to came to the same conclusions and deductive reasons and perhaps intel provisions that uh, Henry Kissinger, George Soros, the global bankster gangsters, I think he said six different rock, Rothschild family members, um, were the ones that were really pulling the strings of this massive exercise or special operation behind the scenes. And with that taken, I, you know, I, I, I have no agenda. I'm not getting money from anywhere. It's just, uh, let's call it my spirit sense and discernment and investigative abilities that bring me to these conclusions that are obvious to me by deductive reasoning. And, you know, we talk about Occam's razor. That's Sir William of Occam. 
when we remove everything else that doesn't make sense, the one remaining is the most likely circumstance, and that's how I well, kind of use stratagem to come that, to my conclusions. That's exactly what Cliff did in the video I was talking about yesterday. He went down and listed all the organizations that are worldwide, you know, big-time stuff, and who benefits and who's in the ship high-end transitor, as he put it. And uh, it, it it all narrows down to this was an accidental release from the Chinese. It's caught everybody flat-footed. I don't see it. I see it as something they were planning, obviously, but I don't think they were ready to implement it. And uh, so we'll see as it shakes out. Everybody's kind of got a different read on it. You have yours. I have mine. Uh, you have your sources and people you respect and listen to. Uh, and uh, we'll try and sit it out together and analyze it. But the important thing is starting to make the decisions that we can all commonly come to a conclusion on and the things that are, you know, fortunately there have been those of you who are out there, uh, Daryl being the prom primary one that is involved here, but that years ago saw coming, started taking and making plans, moved to a different part of the country, got himself some land out in the country, started becoming self-sufficient, et cetera, et cetera. And the thing is, is you don't make those kind of moves overnight. Okay. Oh, so no. the, the people that have done that ahead of time and taken the precautions and, you know, heeded the, the storm clouds coming on the far distant horizon. Those of you who have done that, we're kind of sitting back and going, well, okay, but there's a lot of people that are panicking, man. Well, and panic or let's call it planned response to external stimuli, uh, is something that sane people do. <laughs> well, I mean, we're all having to adjust to these changes. You know, the changes are happening daily. Oh, you can't go out. All the stores are closed this weekend. You know, oh, starting tomorrow, this is happening. Uh, so we're all having to constantly shift to this, or most of us are, not all of us. Doesn't Some of you out there doesn't affect you one iota, okay? And God bless you, good on you, as they say. But that's, I guess, going to be, you know, the function of what we do here. Uh, the, if uh, I, I will say this, Chris, if those things that some of these people are talking about on more oppressive type approach by the powers that be here come into effect, go, let's go back to our status thing. Okay. Listen, they recognize this. They recognize it in their paperwork. It says it right there in that state department document. All U S citizens are U S nationals. There's a duality here. Okay, and what it is is they've got a system that's set up where you got a presumption latched on you from birth, and it's rebuttable. You can volunteer out, but in, unless you do, and in a quite specific manner, then the presumption of law is shifted against you no matter what you say in any of their proceedings or anything else. If you haven't done it in that specific manner, it's not going to apply. And they run this presumption on you. Well, this is valuable understanding, you know, uh, because now Absolutely. should they come up to you, you and you can say, I'm a U.S. national. Well, look. The people that are going to be confronting you in any of these bureaucratic areas, they don't know what a U.S. national is from Adams or Fox. But they know it's a category, and they're going to know that it exempts you from stuff. They're not going to sit there and say, have you read the slaughterhouse cases? 
they're a bureaucrat in some or an agent in some capacity, and all they know is they're supposed to be asking those questions. And that was the the revelation for me when I first confronted that, trying to get my state of Florida issued ID so I could get my first passport, was the lady, when I said no, it didn't affect her one iota. Are you a citizen of the United States? No. Are you a resident? No. Well, what I did, she just goes right on to the next questions. And she didn't know what those were. She just knew she had to ask them and get an answer. Well, I don't argue with that at all. And, you know, if we have a lawful system in operation, uh, I think you're right, it has bearing and However, I'm concerned that if we go to a lawless state, which we appear to be on the cusp of, the precipice of, or already falling over the cliff to, uh, it's potentially could be a non sequitur uh, for the people with the guns and the well, well, all right, Chris, then a non sequitur or non starter. Well, what's your other option? Grab your gun or go along with what they want. Those are your three options, pal. I I don't agree I don't disagree with you. Let me uh, put a little more fodder on the table this morning. Part of the other things that we've talked about on this show this morning, in fact, and other mornings, is the removal of the presidential seal from in front of Trump when he's speaking. And the narrative that I heard that seems to have some credibility behind it is that uh, Trump was taken into a basement meeting with Oboe, and apparently back in 79, Jimmy Carter put in some sort of a legislation or executive order that if the 50 states went into a state of emergency, it would activate and FEMA would take over. Well, that's a very dangerous concept because FEMA is a private private profits corporate agency. Uh, under the Administrative Procedures Act, it's not a part of government, it's outside of government. And so to create that type of constitutional end around seems very devious. And of course, the peanut farmer was uh, pretty uh, innocent appearing and uh, to the public face at least, but he was obviously a CFR deep level, deep stater from the very deepest bowels of what's going on. And Trump's not acting in the presidential capacity he's still the face but he appears to have stepped behind and let others take over or maybe he's threatened and has a handler beside him or who knows what the situation is but it's definitely not as we're seeing but i'm not sure he doesn't have apparently he has a vote as to what goes on but if it's all stacked and packed with left-wing extremist communist uh imposter americans and uh, other people who want to take over this country is still a very dangerous set of circumstances. It's a certainly a dangerous set of circumstances. I'm not going to get into that. I don't watch all that press stuff and all that stuff. I don't know anything about it because I don't pay much attention to it. Okay, um, I'm going to, again, as, of, so, as I've said from the start, I'm going to hope for the best with Mr. Trump, and even though he may not be a perfect guy, I'm going to hope God uses him. Okay. 
I, and, I agree with and, that. And I, I'd much rather, there's two, two ways to look at life. You can either look at the glass half full or half empty. And the problem with get the, the, of looking at it half empty, you're looking at the pessimistic view. And the part that I always didn't like is that uh, that overrides on your entire life so much. It kind of puts everything you're looking through through dark colored glasses. And I'd much rather be optimistic and look at the bright side and hope for the best and believe in the big guy and the good things work out in the end and they do lose like it says in the big book and uh, go through life that way and have a little bit brighter tint on it there's going to be some consequences you're going to pay along the line there's going to be some people you want to overtly trust that are going to stab you in the back there's going to be pain from that path but overall it leads to a better view of the world and your life i've always thought my personal philosophy well, I agree. I'm not a fatalist. I don't desire to die, but I'm not fearful of dying. And if, uh, death is the only option to licking the boots of Satan and his minions. Um, if I should go, it's okay. If I don't, it's okay. I'll keep doing what I do well, and try to be truthful and simple veritas and well, you know, uh, show up here and spread the truth. I brought out a, a something yesterday I'd been wanting to mention on all last week. I heard it last week, and our conversations get so brisk, and I forget to inject these things. Pretty important, I thought, looking back at it. Um, in L.A., they tried to mandate all non, non-essential stores closing, and the gun shops were rated as non-essential, and they refused to close, and the cops didn't do anything about it. Well, I, I did think that was noteworthy, and I think resistance, peaceful resistance is better. Um, not complying with insane edicts from some uh, left-wing extreme governor posing as a people's representative. Um, this is what the dangers are. You know, we're living in uncharted territory. I would say, if you wanted to put it in our context around here, that those particular gun stores in L.A. not only need to be saluted and praised, but they should also be used as an illustration of the success of being a belligerent claimant. Hear, hear. I like a, I consider myself to be a belligerent claimant, okay. and I'm uh, you kind can, of fond of people with art. <laughs> you can get a lot done when you got the knowledge underneath you and your self-confidence to a point where you can become belligerent. You can't really be effectively belligerent if you don't have the facts on your side and something backing it up. Yes, sir. I'm with you there. Okay, and it goes back to what I, you know, that, 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 that little gal is, I need a script. I need a script for this. Well, first of all, you should learn the information. Everybody that's come in contact with me teaching this stuff has heard that your freedom ain't in the paper. Your freedom's in the knowledge and understanding. That's where your strength comes from. That's the, the, the kernel of the corn of the start of the growth of your empowerment is the understanding. If you don't have the understanding, nothing changes. And if it comes to a point, it may never with some folks, if it comes to a point when you got to defend it, you ain't going to be able to. Well, you know, that's a very interesting point. That You and I, we don't come to the table with a script. We, we may have a note or two of something we've seen before so we can recall clearly and not be wrong when we're citing a source. But generally speaking, we're spontaneous. We're speaking off the, our knowledge, our experience, our 
uh, actual life experiences when we have brought this to the table. And it's just a, that's a more refreshing means of doing things to me because you know that nobody's selling your ear. They're just telling you what they really think about things. You see, if you don't have the knowledge, you don't have anything to build on. So That's if we're right. not building to the future here and trying to inject this and get it like sticky, you know, the, the leaven, put put a little yeast in there and get this thing rising and spreading, then we ain't never going to see freedom again, man. Because I don't know very well, many other people that are able to achieve it these days except through this process. I agree with you, and this is this is the dangerous thing. It's just very few people study the way you study, I study, Brent studies, Daryl studies. We are just incessant about this. Other Samuel, another great voice on our phone. We have lots of good callers, Chuck, and uh, it's just whenever you have this thirst for knowledge, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Isaiah four six is an operant circumstance that has materiality in the real world. And you see, this goes back to that Old Testament verse. Because Now, let's just analyze this. Because they have not, they don't have, whatever it is, they ain't got it. Because they don't have a love of the truth. So the problem is that we do. We have a love of the truth to a point where you're ready to take what other people would consider to be high priorities in their lives, and we set them aside to be able to dedicate the time to infuse this knowledge into our day-to-day living and understanding. And that's our empowerment. The other people, they don't have that. Okay, they're after whatever the golden calf of materialism, keeping up with the Joneses. And the problem was the Joneses are leveraged out to their butts and now they're in deep caca. If you've been trying to keep up with them, you're right behind them in the caca. Okay, and it's because they have not a love of the truth. I will send them. He sends it to them. Okay, that's why you don't go beating yourself up trying to turn this on to people. It's not your deal. Your responsibility is just to tell them about it. However they react, balls in their court. Now, I will send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie. And there's a whole bunch of people. And look, it ain't my doing as to who sent that delusion. It's their doing. My responsibility is to tell them about it. And on that side, if I don't tell them about it, then I've got the repercussions. But if I've told them about it and they'd ignored it, tough nibbies. <laughs> yeah. It's a... Oh, I tell you. It's just really troubling. You know, it, it's exciting, but yet it's... Concern cause. Yeah, speaking of, Samuel heard you talking about him, and he wanted to join us there, Chris. Who could that be, Daryl? Mr. Samuel. Mr. Samuel wanted to call Samuel. in. I want to tell anybody else that wants to call in. I had not said this too much. I don't dwell on it all the time, but you're certainly welcome to. There's several ways that you can contact us, either the phone number if you want to do like Samuel just did, and in that instance, I've generally got to call you back. Uh, so, 
you know, understand the limitations that Bill Gates has put on us that are non-vaccine oriented. And uh, otherwise, if you're on Skype, you can put PPN hard space hotline and get us a handshake and we'll merge you in seamlessly and it'll work like it was designed to and used to. Morning, Samuel. How you doing, bro? Morning. I've been I've been out in the seed section for the the T bone, the pork chop, and the drumstick seeds, but I can't. They must be sold out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Bit of a oh. problem. I, Smithfield I, just closed another big. Uh, pork plant, yes. I guess, uh, does something like 16 million pounds a day. And guess what? Nobody mentions that they're only the Chinese. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think they probably did come in there and buy that. Uh, listen, we got some, there's going to be some serious consequences from this few months down the line. Fortunately, we're in spring right now. Be glad it's not October or November going into winter. Don't forget mm-hmm. something we've been talking about here for many years that we hadn't hardly mentioned, global solar minimum. It's going to be worse this coming year. So, you know, listen, wise man it takes precautions. You know there's danger coming. If you have the ability, start a garden, whatever. Go If you can't have the ability to do that, go into your nearest town and start looking for food co-ops where the farmers all participate and start getting involved in that, and at least you could purchase something that's farm-raised. Okay, there's a couple options for you. Um, as I mentioned the other day, go to YouTube, put Victory Gardens in, in the search engine, and look at how much of the fe- uh, nation fed itself during World War II off of window boxes growing tomatoes and stuff. All right. You know, Samuel's comment about the <laughs> the meat seeds is, <laughs> is well taken, but that's another aspect of what I've been perceiving and hearing in different places, and I think uh, some of the others are talking about, is this attack on farmers and uh, plants that grow food and, and selling seeds and stuff. I think that forebodes and pretells one of their scenarios where they're going to try to invoke the so-called Irish potato famine here in this country where they're really de-accessing and shipping out the food to other places. And if China owns the food and the production production areas here, they can ship it all to China, and then we'll be left well, without food here in America. See, don't Thanks forget, the, a lot of the food crops were involved in this tariff battle Trump's been having with them. It was backlashing directly on the farmers because China wasn't buying them. Okay, so hopefully you, you just got so many for facets here. The, the fact that we talked about the other day, half the food distribution in the country is geared to restaurants. Folks, there's, when the restaurants do reopen, there's going to be very few people that can afford to go out and take partake at them. A, there's going to be, you know, tests you got to take. There's a new test. I saw it last night on Tucker. I forget which one of the pharmaceuticals has come up with it, but you can get results within 15 minutes as to whether you're positive or not. Abbott Labs, I believe. And they did it with their main doctor, Siegel, last night, tested him, and 10 minutes later came back and said, the test back, you're negative. So you can expect that to be incorporated into our lives as they reopen the world in these countries. Okay. 
Um, but the food distribution, half of it had gone to restaurants. As I said the other day, it was a startling statistic, and it just happened recently, that within the last couple of months, we reached a point where there were more meals being eaten out than were being cooked at home on a daily basis. First time ever. Well, that's gone. Okay. But the food distribution system was set up to service that. So now the fresh food that was going to the restaurants, they can't turn those distribution systems on a dime and start packaging them to where they show up in your grocery store. I saw a picture in Florida of them dumping I forget how many gallons of milk. They're just dumping milk on a field because at least it'll help fertilize the soil there. Otherwise, it's going to spoil. That's happening now. All right? So expect these changes in the future, and, and it's just something I, I, I'm going to keep at the high, high part of the priority list. For those of you who have ears to hear and eyes to see, start making preparations. Start doing it. Here, so, here. Uh, hopefully, you've uh, you've availed yourself over the years of whatever your ability was to stack up small amounts of some sort of hard money, whether it's cyber coins, whether it's gold, whether it's silver. Okay, because I can promise you, and you're seeing it now. It's better to be thirty years too early than one day too late. Because the people that are trying to get that stuff now are scrambling. And there's no supply. It's locking up, by the way, the LBMA started their new 400-ounce bar program as of yesterday. Except that they, they wrote... This is too funny. It was on Mike Maloney's daily update last night. Do you know how many? Every day, Maloney's doing these updates, right? And Lauren mentioned it the other day last week when she called in about at the end of the, at the, end of the program, he thanks all the people that are new subscribers, okay? Do you know how many new subscribers he thanked yesterday, Chris? 35. No 3,500 new subscribers since last week over the weekend. Every That's what day, a hungry mind. Listen, every day he's going, there's 1,500 new subscribers, 2,400 new subscribers. Yesterday's 3,500 plus, okay? So as I said, the world's waking up. People are looking for answers, all right? But uh, And this little musical thing I'm going to play here at some point during the show today because it is really good. All right. Came off of that yesterday. But one of the stories he covered was uh, uh, off of his website, goldsilver.com, about the new COMEX program that they instituted immediately yesterday with 400 ounce bars. Now, do you know the significance of that, Chris? I'm not following your line. Okay, well, COMEX is where they're setting the paper price using derivatives. It's a paper game. 
You know, when your contract, you just buy a contract on so many ounces of gold or silver, and when the contract's out, you take settlement and you go and probably roll the contract over. And it, most people, if they take a settlement, take a cash settlement. Very few people take a physical settlement. I, in other words, I, I want my gold. Well, all of a sudden, a bunch of people are wanting their gold, and they ain't got it because it's a paper <laughs> game. Okay, so here's the, well, it is, that's exactly what it is. They're playing the same game over there. Okay. See, it's, it, that's the thing I keep telling you, it's the concepts, because you can take those concepts they're used and just plug, they can go do it in commodities, bam, they can do it in wheat, bam, they can do it wherever they want because they got the concept. It's like the Holy Grail. First a line, then another line, then a square. It's a concept. Bam, bam, bam. They just cookie cutter it all over the place. Okay. That's why learning these concepts is so darn important. Here's the deal on that contract is up to this point, as of yesterday, all the COMEX contracts were always written on 100-ounce bars. Now they're moving to 400-ounce bars. So they're instituting with their regulatory, the CTFC, the Commodities and Futures Exchange Commission, they send them a note and said, this, we're here to notify you that we're not letting any of the inside information on how this works out. <laughs> now, they're telling the regulatory authority this. And what Mike Maloney, it was, what Mike Maloney didn't get was they said notify, and he didn't understand that they're giving them notice. Okay. Uh, notice like notice and the right to be heard. So they're giving them notice on what they're going to do. And then if the CFTC doesn't think that's appropriate, then they'd come back and, and have a discussion with them. But the way they wrote the, uh, the message to the CFTC was like, this is what we're doing because we don't want any competitors getting this proprietary information. Well, who the hell's competing with the COMEX? The only th other entity that's competing with the COMEX is the LBMA, and they're working together on this 400-ounce bar deal. So it showed you how the tail's wagging the dog there yesterday. But in that, maybe I'll go ahead and play this now because uh, this is good, kids. All right, now this is somebody. I was a music business professional, okay? Th this is very good. Evidently, this gal, and he gives her credit, had done this song back a few years ago. And Maloney had put it up on his website, and he said in all those years, it's probably like four, five, six years, it only gotten 22,000 views. And so they had taken it down or something. They put it back up, and he said in two days, it's got 50,000 views. <laughs> so there's your heightened awareness, all right? Let me play this. This is clever, and, and it's darn good. And I don't know that I've got if I can get it and, and give her proper credit because uh, I know how hard it is to write lyrics and, and, and do songs and, and, and all that stuff, and this one's just flat good. Now, it is the name of it is, uh, I guess I'll call it, uh, The Ballad of Helicopter Ben. So when this was written a couple of years ago, it was for Bernanke, but you can take it and substitute whoever flunkies up there so uh you you want you something to say before i get started here chris oh no shoot the juice i'm just thinking 
it doesn't make any difference who's sitting in the seat. It's the same plot. Yeah, and it's the same players back running the bureaucracy. See, that's what we found out with Trump. You think Trump's all-powerful? Why the hell couldn't he get any of them papers out of DOJ? Good question. Uh, why, why couldn't he get anything out of the CIA and the intelligence division? He's the president. Well, you see who's run, You see how the thing's structured and it runs. Anyway, we'll talk about this gal. This is very short. It's only about three minutes long. I'll just and I'm sorry that you can't see the video. I will, of course, post this at the end of today's show description. Uh, and if you wanted to look it up on YouTube, it's Helicopter Ben, the true legacy of Bernanke. And so with no further ado, and as I said, I'm sorry that you can't see the video things that are going on in the background, but you'll get the gist of most of this, I think. And it's very clever, and it's melodically and musically, it's very, very well written and well done. So here we go. Ben, Ben, opens a helicopter door, then, then, all these dollar bills pour out. When he tells me time's good again, yeah, I can't wait to be racking up my credit card again. Ben, Ben, Ben. Bill, 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 why bother me today? Still, still, you know I promised I would pay you, will you? Lend me more, yeah, I'll trade for free I just want those dollar bills to pour, pour Down on me, pour, pour down Argentina, Weimar and Zimbabwe I've heard those words And I know history repeats Pizza self, yeah, I know what she's learned, but it won't happen this time. Cause Ben says everything's fine, 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 hey, fine, fine, fine. And who got the money? Hundreds and hundreds of banks, any bank or that has uh, access to the U.S. Uh, Federal Reserve's discount. You tell us who they are. No. Do you think gold is money? No. Argentina, Weimar, and Zimbabwe, I've heard those words. And I know history repeats itself, yeah. I know what she's learned. It won't happen this time Cause Ben says everything's Fine, fine, fine Yeah, fine, fine, fine Ben, Ben He opens a helicopter door Then, then All these dollar bills pour out Tells me times are good again, yeah. I can't wait to be racking up my credit card again. Ben, Ben, Ben. Helicopter, Ben, Ben, Ben. 
helicopter bam 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 helicopter bam what do y'all think about that <laughs> well executed and very melodic boy she did a really good job on that it was written and performed by a girl named elaine diane taylor and uh, as I said, it's got some information on other stuff she does. Evidently, I hadn't looked into her other work, but I was super impressed with that. If I was in A&R back in the record business, I'd have looked at signing that girl. Hey, Terrence, you joined us right at the end of the little tune there, a little musical interlude, unusual at the Radio Ranch. How you doing today? How's Rex? Having a ball. Good. Uh, lost my wallet, so it's fun going to the... Oh, driver's license place oh. to get a copy of your driver's license. Oh, Terrence. I I didn't lose anything real important except my DOT card, my license, and uh, my debit card. So I, I did lose my uh, my uh, 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 custom price uh, bucket of golf balls for the driving range, so I lost seven buckets of balls. That's okay. kind of a bummer. Well, all right. Other than that, other than that all as well. Okay. But uh, – I wanted to bring up because uh, way back in the day, I read uh, Leonard Peikoff's Ominous Parallels, and he was comparing to Nazi Germany. Uh, and then later in life, he switched and became a, a communist. Uh, but his book was eye-opening, but I think he was off uh, by a couple hundred miles. It wasn't the Nazis, it was the Bolsheviks. And if you look at what we're going through, the Bolsheviks were up bloody out in the open, just bloody terrible. But here in the good old USA, like they did to you in a, in a room where nobody else could see them beat you to death. And like the IRS has beat me to death and all in their behind closed doors. So that people don't see all the blood and gore that the Bolsheviks are doing to us. Well, and, that's why uh, when you compare Go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say that's why they took the course of uh, Massini. Is it Massini that wrote uh, uh, the Italian kid that wrote the Long March? What they call it on the left is the Long March to the Institutions. And Mussolini had thrown him in jail. He was in jail for you know a long time. The rest of his life, I guess, he died in jail. And, but while he was in there, he was a very prolific writer. He wrote a number of books, 20-something different pamphlets or books. And one of them was on this what the left has come to call the long march through the institutions. And the way that the reason he took that approach was because of the backlash of the Bolsheviks, the fact that it was public, it was bloody, it was merciless, it was ruthless, and that they had to have a better way. It would take longer, but going in and taking over all the institutions from the inside and corrupting them because you're already conditioned to the institution. You've got to break that Pavlovian conditioning. They just turn it on you. Right, but even even the Bolsheviks uh, uh, disregarded uh, the Mennonites' uh, agreements um, and seized everything they had. Oh, and worked for us. Uh, uh, I heard, like, Stalin told the Poles, uh, join our army, but you have to get on a knee and uh, declare me your god, or he shot him. Uh, well, it was a, he was a, Stalin was a Bolshevik, um, but that's what they're doing. That's what they've been doing here. And people, even the libertarians, I was on a call with the liber, you know, a few libertarians, and the, the girls describing, 
Well, I inherited guns from my dad. Now I got to tell the state. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who's your master? Why are you telling anybody what you got? Well, the state is, you're a libertarian, but you talk like a slave. Why are you telling anybody what you got? What is wrong with you? And they, they, I don't know if they thought about it or comprehended it, but at that moment, they were like, well, but we got to, and this lockdown is good, and I'm, I'm going, you're not libertarians, you're slaves. You're talking like slaves. Well, you remember, like the, slaves. you remember the Harriet... It's just amazing to me. The Harriet Beecher Stowe quote that resonated with me particularly so strongly, and we've mentioned it on the show here, said... I freed a thousand slaves and I could have freed thousands more if they only knew they were slaves. Well, they're just, they're just afraid of their surroundings and and they think that, listen, if they're cowering in fear, they, they don't think like us. If they're, if they're cowering in fear in the corner, then they, they've already lost. Well, I agree. I agree. But it's just amazing how I don't know if the, the schools didn't. Uh, I think I was in second grade when I realized something's wrong here because uh, they didn't talk about the truant officer. If you don't go to school with a truant officer, and I thought, well, who's this guy? All I want is him not to tell my dad because my dad's the one that makes me go to school, not this truant officer guy. My yeah. dad will kick his butt and he'll kick my butt if I don't go to school. So, but, uh, you know, that was my thinking way back then. There's something wrong here. Well, I, that's, um, I think all of us that have gravitated to this patriot community thing in our lives are because we've all had some degree of rebel in us. And I find that to be a real common denominator over the years, you know, with people that gravitate here and, and put a lot of time and, and effort into this area and freedom in their lives and be, because they got that rebel in them. And there's a lot of people that just don't have it. They got the conform in them, man, and they cower and they they bow down to perceived authority. They don't ask questions. They just say, how high am I supposed to jump? Well, I just like to compare it to uh, Bolshevism. And if people would look up Bolshevism, well, remember, what it is. And, now, and, now, it's instructive, uh, Terrence. It's, all the parallels. it's it instructive is. to go back to the this communist the communist doctrine here and realize that in those developing days in Russia, there were giant schisms. Okay. Now Stalin might've been a Bolshevik, but he wasn't a Trotskyite and Trotsky and Lenin were tight. And Trotsky's concept was international bloody communism. He's the one where I feel more of the Bolshevik that we identify with that word came from after they got rid of Lenin, Stalin, and Trotsky hated each other, okay? They had a bitter rivalry, and that's why Stalin kicked him out of the country and exiled him and later probably killed him down there in Mexico City where somebody put an axe in his head sitting at a sidewalk cafe, okay? But Stalin's idea of communism was not international like that. His was more domestic and oppressive domestically. So there were schisms in the philosophy, but I think you got a lot of our guys, a lot of the Trotskyite guys have been the ones that have been running our country. That's the faction that's been running our country, I feel like, the Zionist faction, uh, the Sabbateans, if you will, the real godless ones, the anti-everything good ones. 
It, by the way, if any of you um, that are listening are new and you're not privy to that historical information, um, there's a, a wonderful anthropologist. I've been watching several of his newer videos here lately, Robert Seffer. We've talked about him incessantly on the show over the last couple of years. But, uh, and the way we discovered him was through this work. And it's called, you can go put this in YouTube, 1666-1666, put a colon, and then put redemption through sin. 1666-1666, redemption through sin. Now, he goes back, and it's the first person that I've seen go into this depth on this issue that many of us have been playing with for a long time, which is where these people come from. And he goes in to Sabbatai Zevi, 1666, what happened there, declaring himself the Messiah, the effects he had on the Jewish community worldwide, and the continuing growth of that idea and concept through a guy named Jacob Frank, and his probable his probable involvement with Rothschild and 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 uh, uh, Weishaupt in forming of the Illuminati because he left Constantinople and he moved up and retired right outside of Frankfurt Germany and you got to imagine that with his notoriety worldwide in the Jewish community Jacob Frank that he had to no, the Rothschilds and Weishaupt were right there in the vicinity. Come on. Okay. Let's see here. Mr. Darrell wants to come in for a landing. Okay. So that's where that whole faction, which turned into Sabbateanism, everything, and the whole idea of this from Sabbatai Zevi was in reading the Torah there's a passage that said the Messiah would not come until either the world was all good or all bad. And his idea was the world could never be all good because there's people like him in it. And so he's had to turn it all bad. And that's why a lot of this dialectic stuff happens and their perverse way of looking at things. That's the root of today's modern Zionism. Quite a bit of hey there, Captain. What's going on? 1666 colon redemption through sin. It's about a 20-minute video. It ought to be required watching. Hey, Captain, what's going on? Well, it's, uh, it's beautiful here. Uh, well, <clears throat> yeah, I, I've been sitting here doing paperwork, listening to much good information here. And... Uh, you uh, you started covering Robert Zephyr, and one of my my favorite subjects to uh, study is uh, the uh, the uh, Parasite Guild uh, and uh, and uh, the history the, the the history of them. So um, yeah, well uh, the uh, the Bolsheviks. Uh, were a, uh, a, a, a they they weren't an organic creation of Russia, and uh, they were they were sponsored and facilitated and logistically supported uh, and subsidized by uh, uh, well, uh, New York and Swiss bankers uh, and and the and the uh, and the city of London 
so that's that's their origins uh, financially in uh, the early 20th century uh, as they went into uh, into Russia. The muscle. The uh, muscle you're exactly right. The muscle, yeah. according to Sutton, was trained on the east on the docks in New York. They had thousands of people they put in those ships with yeah, all that yeah. gold. They were trained. The people that pulled off the Bolshevik Revolution were trained in New York. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, well, you know, thanks for bringing up Anthony Sutton. Um, for people that actually want to have a, you know, if you got time to read, uh, I would recommend uh, two really good books for you. It's uh, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, Anthony C. Sutton. And uh, National Suicide, Military Aid to the Soviet Union uh, by uh, Anthony C. Sutton. Now, he was a protege of uh, Patrick Woods, who wrote Technocracy, uh, and they did a original collaboration uh, way back when, when Zabrinsky came in uh, under Carter and the uh, Trilateral Committee. So these are the uh, – I just sort of draw that together a little bit to show you the the uh, the global world order uh, tentacles of the octopus that has slowly encircled and has strangled the world. Now, some of the narratives that I hear about uh, our, our latest uh, trauma event here uh, don't include uh, almost nobody, e- even the contemporary, the, the usual – uh, commentators uh, have uh, basically overlooked and been distracted from uh, this overarching uh, uh, parasite guild and, and their uh, participation in uh, this trauma. Uh, so everybody, uh, you know, I, I listen to, to Cliff once in a while just for, because. And uh, he makes some really interesting points. and uh, But he... He misses. He misses again uh, because he has not an understanding of the parasite guild. So he he makes good points, uh, and but he he doesn't have this in his um, his foundation of understanding of who the parasite guild is. Uh, actually, uh, uh, Cliff's a pagan, and uh, he uh, he uh, refutes and actually despises Christianity. So. I take his information uh, with that in mind. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, but the uh, the Bolsheviks, um, uh, you're exactly right. There was the Lenin and Trotsky divisions. Uh, I think you explained that very well. Um, the the uh, the integration of the uh, Bolshevik. In, in collaboration uh, with the city of London and its uh, insidious um, immigration of uh, peoples into New York City in the harbor, uh, bringing them in was a, uh, a collaboration between the Bolshevik aspect of uh, the uh, Parasite Guild and uh, the uh, Wilson administration and, and going forward. And so the foundations of uh, the the uh, collusion with uh, FDR's uh, government and organization was of a Bolshevik nature uh, because of uh, well documentation, uh, 
minutes of their meetings, pictures, photographs, and and policies that went forward of FDR's love of Joseph Stalin. Not not admiration, but love. <laughs> and uh, Eisenhower was a big fan of uh, Stalin as well. So uh, this was initially the the invasion. Uh, uh, it governmentally and culturally was of a Bolshevik nature with the cooperation of New York, uh, the aforesaid uh, bankers, and then uh, the uh, the government actors through uh, the administrations of Woodrow Wilson going forward, uh, Hoover and uh, FDR uh, and and Truman as well, but. Uh, there was a split, uh, and this is where this is a really important part. And you bring it up, Roger. Was there was a split, but it wasn't so much the, the Trotskyites and the uh, the Trotskyites and the Bolsheviks have always been pretty much in the split. But the overarching power influence was Bolshevik in this country, academically and so on and so forth, as previously described. And, but the Bolsheviks uh, and their actors, uh, you know, uh, were part and parcel uh, using the, the split of this culture through proxy warriors uh, like uh, uh, the black community and uh, women, uh, women's rights. And um, they would they would uh, chameleonize themselves. They would hide behind their agenda by promoting the uh, uh, the rights of others, uh, so to speak. And uh, in 1969, a, a, a black uh, world activist, and I'm trying to recall his name, uh, I think his name was Garvey, um, he wrote Garvey. an excoriating letter. I think uh, Garvey, it, it, an excoriating. Was, Garvey was in the 20s yeah. or the 30s, I think. Seems. Oh, like. that's right. Yeah, there was a, yeah, no, that was at the beginning of the NAACP. When, when when Garvey walks into the New York headquarters of the NAACP and all he sees is white Jewish lawyers, right. he goes, where's all the black people? <laughs> so, um, uh, <laughs> so, but there was a, uh, and I could, I could find his, uh, his name and his uh, credentials, but there was a, uh, uh, an important black author and activist in the late sixties, about 69. And uh, he, he writes an excoriating letter about um, well the NAACP and the uh, the, uh, the the Jews uh, uh, who uh, who go ahead couldn't be Bouzay could it, it? it could be I I don't I don't recall at the moment um, you know I I. You know, when you listen to Roger and Chris, you'll hear all these, uh, you know, infinitesimal, interesting little details uh, with their with their hard drive brains. I I work on a different. I work from a different place. Uh, I work in big strokes and concepts, and uh, and I and I, I sometimes envy them for their their ability to recall the uh, uh, important details, but. Uh, the, the the takeaway of it was that there was a breakdown between the coalition of the uh, the black civil rights movement leaders because they knew they were being Uncle Tommed and and he called them out and at this point at this point there's a breakdown between this, this overarching Bolshevik uh, uh, 
juggernaut, and there's a split within inside the the uh, uh, <clears throat> parasite guild, and you have going forward from 1969 forward, you have this new term enter into the lexicon. Okay, and the, the term is neocon, which is beautiful. It's it a is. beautiful term because it it's a new con. It's a new con job. I, I represent it as a new con job. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the 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 new con the new con game is is that there's a split between the 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 liberal Bolshevik uh, form of what you would call most people would call the the liberal uh, democratic socialist side, and now we have this other this other component called the new con. Who is uh, of the same uh, parasite guild, but they, there's a power struggle on a split, and and they are going to masquerade now as conservative Republicans, and uh, basically be the ha- the intellectual and administratively policy hammer that destroys what would be American values and Christian values, and co-opt their minds and brains and integrate themselves into the uh, the archetype. So. Uh, are, are they different sides of the same thing? I don't know. Uh, the Parasite Guild has always been phenomenally successful at controlling both sides of the, uh, the both sides of the argument or the situation or whatever it is. But this is where your neocons actually come from, and uh, you will find that uh, they had many um, they had many uh, Vichy Goy politicians and. Um, and not so, and and then uh, <clears throat> that uh, you know what what can be considered white Anglo-Saxon Christian uh, ethnicity that uh, absolutely uh, co- cooperated and worked with them. You know, I mean the the Bushes did a masterful job oh, yes. of convincing people that they were um, some sort of Christian. <laughs> you know, and and so this is this is the play. This is the play. So if if you're if uh, they've controlled both sides of this conversation, the dialectic, uh, what it's resulted in is uh, what we're experiencing now. Uh, the neocons uh, set up. You know, uh, Dick Cheney's not a is not a uh, part of the tribe, but he sure does do their work. Okay. He carries now, their water Henry Kissinger, on the other hand. At George H. W. Bush, G. W. They both uh, carried the water. Well, the, so did the Clintons. Uh, so did Obama. Uh, so on and so forth. Uh, so um, this is this is some of the more recent contemporary conceptual history and overview of why this is so important. This has resulted in what I call the Marxist harvest. They're, we're experiencing their harvest. This is a harvest. Um, if their if their game plan, based upon their own writings and and the white papers, uh, which is a business plan, uh, goes forward that they've perfected since the uh, English uh, Civil War uh, with Cromwell and so on and so forth. From that point forward, they've they've uh, they've perfected it. In a color revolutions, and uh, so you can expect a uh, an American Holomador. You can expect there will be a reign of terror. Uh, you will be and are at this very moment experiencing the law of their bank, 
And uh, their objective is to subject the world to the blood of the despot of Zion. Uh, this is their – I'm just sharing with you some of the uh, word terms and conceptual um, terms that they use in their own writings, which I've had to dig out for taking a while. Uh, but this is their overarch. This is the overarching part of it. It has political, economic, but but it's deeply sp- uh, spiritual from a Luciferian point of view. And it and they they cooperate and collaborate uh, intimately and and directly with um, um, uh, Fabian socialist Masonic uh, activities. Uh, and uh, you know the reason why you're in a lawless society at the moment is because it's uh, it's all Freemason. Uh, Freemason and Zionism are not at odds with each other. Mm. And uh, so this is where it moves into what Chris and Roger talk about a lot. And other people who are very well learned and knowledgeable are ignorant of or in denial of is that uh, the the legal system and the just us system and the uh, is a part of this free Freemasonic religion. Is it, do not confuse this. This is absolutely a religion. It is a religion, and you can find it at your local courthouse. <laughs> okay, so there. That, that's my that's my twenty five cents worth there. Well, if you want a little harbinger on the economics ahead, there's a nice new headline over on Zero Hedge about your favorites. There, Captain Darrell, the Boeing Company. Boeing, as you call them, which is what they're doing. Uh, they Their stock tumbled a little bit today after customers canceled a record 150 max orders in March. The month of March, yeah. 150 oh. plane orders canceled, and they're the largest exporter in the United States. Boeing. Well, think about that. Think about that. Uh, that's uh, the the whole 737 uh, Max uh, debacle. Well, uh, down down in the south here, you know, when Bubba when Bubba finds a solution to something, he, this is what he says. He goes, "Done fixed it." Okay. Well, the 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 737 Max problem is, is done been fixed. It's not a problem anymore because they're not going to have to fix it because there's no need. That's right. <laughs> you know? No need to fix it. Done fixed it. I guess I heard so, that they're taking a uh, lot of the planes now and, and sticking something in the fuel tanks that uh, deters the growing of algae because they ain't expecting them to be fired up here real soon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that actually they would those um, those those fuselages would make uh, just wonderful um, shelters for for human habitation a little bit of retrofitting they're very well insulated and uh well constructed uh, structurally they'd make a really good home you know yeah. pull the wings off and put it on put it on some wheels and uh, trailer it somewhere it'd make a really good make a really good home be very uh, windproof it, it, it'd hold up good in the wind there's a whole bunch of shipping <laughs> containers that are piled up around these ports that are not going to get a lot of use in the future either and there's people that Ever have been again, really probably. creative with shipping containers, making homes yeah. out of them, you know, taking three or four mm-hmm. of them and mm-hmm. sticking in really cool designs, and and uh, they make darn nice homes if they're done right. 
Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. Daryl, was you thinking uh, Thomas Sowell or Walter Williams? Yeah, it, it could be. Uh, I, 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 I appreciate the um, the input there. I, I'm just, I, I know the. I know what happened. I'm just drawing a complete blank on the on the fellow's name. Um, Malcolm X but, was it? Uh, he, wasn't Malcolm X was it? No. Well, well, Malcolm was part of that. It was part of the reason why he had to be murdered. Uh, and um, but um, yeah, I you know it. Uh, there, there was a this this breakdown occurred in 1969 as the. Uh, the head of the uh, the black civil rights uh, function Come. faction of that movement. See, the civil rights movement was part um, um, a Jewish, if you will, synagogue of Satan, of and it had had uh, co co-opted and and integrated in as their proxy warriors the black people to leverage their agenda on their backs. So uh, this is when this uh, split comes. Um, you know, it would be an interest if I was writing a paper. I'd have to find a guy's name, but uh, uh, who uh, actually called him out on it? But uh, which you know is not going to get much uh, press from the no. uh, Mockingbird media. So no. of the time, well, listen, it's no coincidence that Thurgood Marshall was with the NAACP and was the lead attorney on Brown versus Board of Education. And once they got that decision, they yeah. made him chief justice of the Supreme Court. Well, well, how about how about when um, how about when uh, you know when Wilson Wilson was uh, selected and uh, appointed for the the purpose of being the uh, the president to serve their purpose? Well, uh, the the reason they did this uh, partly was because he was a highly compromised uh, man. Already. He was very very compromised, and they knew it. And uh, so he became their their Vichy Goy, uh, the collaborator, because he had been brownstoned. Okay, I mean the people here understand what this term means. They did a they did the you know a Jeffrey Epstein on him. And uh, he'd been, uh, you know, having an adulterous sexual relationship with one of his cohorts over at uh, at uh, the college where he was the professor. And uh, later on, they pulled that. Yeah, they pulled that out of the bag, the, the little bag of brownstone tricks and said, listen, uh, Untermeyer, Felix Untermeyer, I, I think Merz brought him up before. Uh, he's a he's an interesting character out of the past. And uh, yeah. He basically, um, you know, blackmails uh, Wilson into uh, their agenda, and and guess who gets appointed to uh, the Supreme Court after that? Okay, who does Wilson appoint for the Supreme Court after that? Well, uh, guy by name of Brandeis, does that ring a bell? Yep. Right. <laughs> yep. And you know what's interesting though? If you, I yeah. read Daryl that he and Brandeis had been friends for about twenty years before that. And they had actually gotten Wilson yeah. hooked up on a lot of these Zionist committees about Palestine that they were forming in the 1880s. And so he had a relationship with Brandeis for a couple of decades before they shuffled him in there on the Bull Moose Party to split all that up. Yeah. Well, who was who was uh, Wilson's handler? Well, this is, uh, you know, uh, Colonel... Uh, uh, Colonel House, right? And, and, uh, administrator, administ administrator Drew. Yeah. 
uh, writes this horrible, horrible book called Administrator Drew, and uh, and and who's who's uh, who's uh, Colonel House's handler? Well, this is out of the city of London. Their handlers out of the city. See the see the tentacles of the connections here. It it just uh, once you start to connect the tentacles and the actors that are all working for a uh, coherent agenda. It's disgusting, but it's a coherent agenda. So, uh, yeah. Um, so it's it's a it's a very interesting subject area that has borne fruit. It's poisonous fruit, but uh, it, they, you know, what we have here is we just have thousands and thousands. I watch this on the internet, and I watch all. I watch a bunch of really well-intentioned. I'm assuming they're well-intentioned YouTubers and bloggers and pontificators and bloviators, and uh, add them all into the mix. And what I see them doing is a as a as a cornbread explanation. What I see happening is uh, you, I see a bunch of people uh, walking around with uh, machetes hacking at the branch. They're hacking at the tree. I'm going to beat that tree. I'm going to cut that tree down. And none of them are attacking the root. Only one out of a thousand attacks the root. Okay. Well, if you want to, if you want to, you want to knock down the poisonous tree, you don't, you don't cut it from the top down. You go to the root. And so this is why, um, I, I mean, I, uh, <laughs> I have to go towards to, I have to trace it back to the root. And uh, that's and keep my focus and perspective there. So anyway, yeah. Quiet. Is anybody there? <laughs> Am I still on the air? <laughs> Hello. Well, we're still there, Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. There were some names in the 60s that I recall pretty specifically. Uh, Stokely Carmichael, H. Rat Brown, some of those. Groups. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. There's a uh, yeah. Larry, um, I should be able to tell you Larry's last name. It's still in the vogue. And he's a very, I mean, this guy is uh, upright conservative American. Uh, you would think that from what he talks about, it's Larry Pinkney. Pinkney. Yeah. That's. Pinkney, yeah, uh, really? yeah, Mr. yeah. He he is a well. Well, anybody who's been victimized by the system, like himself and the other so-called uh, Panthers and uh, so on and so forth that were back then. Uh, you know, I even got invited to a Panther meeting back when I was in high school. <laughs> it was kind of a curious right. circumstance, but. You know, well, the more I go ahead. I, I mean, I mean, what? Listen, uh, th- this is a this is a really good subject matter to challenge people's perspectives here, and whether or not uh, even the people that are here and listening to this have the ability to be reasonably objective with their with their uh, perspectives. Did those people, the Black Panthers, and uh, uh, of that of that time and period, under the circumstances of the 60s, uh, we're an older group here. Did they actually have some legitimate grievances? Some, okay. Absolutely. And 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 how and how were they to how were they to address this? Okay. 
So uh, this is a reasonable. I I believe this is a. I did that. I me personally. Uh, I won't even second let you second guess. I I believe they had reasonable grievances, and uh, they they resulted to unreasonable methods uh, because. Um, they they were being uh, basically uh, abused and stonewalled and could see the hypocrisy. Actually, I I think what's going to happen here. I just it just dawned on me, is that these people uh, of that period in the 60s and the 70s uh, had reasonable grievances and uh, w- with government and they couldn't be addressed. And so some of them took up unreasonable means by which to address those grievances. And here you are, Mr. and Mrs. America. You are wearing those shoes yourself right now, are you not? You are wearing the very same shoes because you let this metastasize. Uh, It was those other people that had these unreasonable grievances, okay? Now, now you're the one which will be labeled as the one that has unreasonable grievances. A minute ago, and I, there's a I had stepped away for a second is the reason I wasn't there when you're asking a question. So, but a minute ago, you were talking yeah. about going for the root, Daryl. Well, what's the root here? Yeah. What's the root here? They've switched your political status. Everything that they're doing is enabled by that right there. It is the root. It is the nexus of all this. And it's why it's so darned important. When I realized it years ago, everything flows from this change in your political status. Hey, Doug, man of, how you doing today in Fayetteville? Oh, man, uh, my blood is uh, boiling. Uh, you know, it's, it's elevated. Uh, thank you for all the content here. Uh, yeah, so I'm um, I'm doing fine. Um, uh, we got uh, cold temperatures here in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. It was uh, like 31 this morning. Uh, supposedly there was some snow flying. And uh, anyway, um, I think I have something to add to this. Um, when Chris was speaking early in the show. And you had asked him about, you know, what do you think about all this? And he was saying, like, well, it's just, it doesn't feel good type of thing. And a word popped into my mind called ominous. Okay. Good word. Uh, if It feels ominous. And yes. I'm going to read the definition of the nature of or marked by an omen or by a presentment of evil. And then the next word is followed by a semicolon, portentous. So I go over to portentous and I look that up. It says full of portents of ill, ominous, of strange and ill-bodying character, as if, listen to this, supernatural, monstrous, prodigious. And when Daryl, thank you, Daryl, you blow my mind, man. Uh, I I honor you and appreciate all of your study that you've done. Uh, I grasp a a piece of uh, your content uh, every time. Uh, So 
hacking at the root, I'd say there are two roots. There's always going to be the root of evil and the root of good, which could also pretend or um, talk about two races, one of good, one of evil. And we have to, this has to be something, anybody that involves themselves with a search of the truth and a fight in that whatever battle that's about in your personal life, this is what you get involved with like 24-7. And so, anyway, uh, just wanted to throw that in there. Um, you know, this... Um, this this is not a spectator sport, and if you're going to be involved in it, you one needs to to be um, totally involved and invested, um, um, life or death type of uh, um, love for what you're into. Good. Yeah. Well, well, listen. Uh you uh, you just uh, you just sort of uh, prompted me, uh, there, Doug. Uh, I, I wrote something earlier this morning. Uh, these things just sort of come into my head, and uh, I uh, <laughs> I'm I'm really not uh, intelligent enough to just come up this all by my own here. I I, I just think I, I get downloads. But if we go back to Civil War history and the Battle of Bull Run, and uh, I. I, I heard something. Uh, I heard something earlier this morning. I was listening to True News, and uh, this guy brings up the Battle of Bull Run. And uh, during the Battle of Bull Run, uh, what, what was interesting about it is a lot of people will talk about the the, the military combat of it, uh, which is, uh, you know, was important, uh, but. To, to lay the premise of what I'm going to read to you here was that the, the Battle of Bull Run was attended by many masses of civilian peoples at the time dressed in their finery and picnic lunches to watch a spectacle. So I wrote this. I go, the Battle of Bull Run, what does uh, this demonstrate about the civilian population of that moment in time? Question. What was in their heart, their head, their character, and their perceptions? Question. Why do I ask these questions? Question. Because they attended it with, the pic- with their picnic baskets dressed in their fine attire, bringing their children and families in order to observe the spectacle. Spectators to a bloody slaughter of their countrymen. Who does this? What must be in your head and heart to even consider this? The mythology, romantic, nostalgic myths of contemporary peoples of that time concerning their character is undeserved. Listen, uh, the people of that time were as deluded and degenerate and defunct in character as right now. And you have to really – you have to get over this childish mythology about the character of these people and even the foundations of this very country. There's – you – until you, until you rehabilitate yourself away from this mythology and deal with the facts, 
you'll you'll always be in a s- state of stupor and um, uh, analysis contradiction. Uh, it, it these things are different than what been told. Your history was written by by the winners, yep. and they had an agenda. And uh, this is part of this is part of your deprogramming. Just the facts, okay. ma'am. Just the uh, facts, ma'am. Just the facts, Sergeant I'm Friday. Right. I, I'll say it. I'll say it again. I'm, I'm, I have little interest in fair and balanced. I am not a fair and balanced man. I am not. I will tell you right now, I'm not. Uh, I am only interested in truth and accuracy, and I follow it wherever it takes me. Yep. And sometimes I have to really, really. Uh, uh, rebuke myself to get over uh, uh, my uh, vestiges of fair and balanced. <laughs> so, go ahead. Well, you know, Daryl, <laughs> wonderful again. See, uh, first of all, anybody, what this smacks to me, uh, what you just read there or spoke of is what the Israelis were doing, bringing out their chairs and everything and watching a a bunch of people being destroyed by rockets and bombs, uh, just having a fun time here. And uh, finally, my determination of this is these are somebody I don't know. Uh, who have a bloodlust? They like watching this, and 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 this again. This goes to remember the uh, whatever the room where Hillary Clinton was, and she watched the bombing of whatever it was. Uh, I think it was Gaddafi, and she goes, you know, we came, we saw, we we killed him, we murdered him, and it was a and she cackled and laughed about it. Uh, this is a sickness, and I'm not of that mindset. I'm willing to defend no. myself and cause the death of someone that's trying to cause my death or someone else's. But I don't arbitrarily, I don't like that. That would be a terrible thing for me. But I am, I would say, prepared and willing to do that if necessary. And 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 the same thing is, see, this is about people's lives. But see, the truth is even more important than my life or your life or anybody's life, because the truth is life, and um, it came from a sacrifice of blood, and uh, it wasn't a little cost. It was it cost him everything. And that's the message, okay, of. Uh, the pure blood being sacrificed. And we're not about sacrificing innocent blood or blood needlessly. This is a ridiculous thing, all this warfare of this mercenary uh, U.S., uh, you know, all their military going about the world doing, keeping people safe. That's a joke. It's a ridiculous concept. It's a lie. And I hate it, and I will not um, just shut up about it. Yeah. Well, Voltaire, Voltaire would say, Voltaire would describe what you're talking about as a uh, absurdities. 
Yes. And uh, his admonition was his admonition was uh, to those that would hear him uh, because there was absurdities going on during his period of time as well. Uh, this is not unique. And the, uh, uh, the close to the quote is uh, those that can convince you of absurdities can convince you of atrocities. Um, now, there's many operative words there, but um, I would I would. Um, direct you to the word in that uh, sentence as those. Now, who are those? And who are those that have told you that this man and these people are your enemies and you you internalize this absurdity and then you go commit atrocities? What did uh, Muhammad Ali say uh, to the uh, to dirty Uncle Sam? And uh, the draft board, I, I got no, I got no quarrel with that little brown man over there in Vietnam, but they, they want to convince you that you did, and a lot of people uh, took the, uh, took the uh, word of liars to uh, throw themselves on the, the fires, and and commit atrocities yeah. and this just goes on and on and on you, you know in so. one of those videos that came out i think it was that out of the shadows uh and i did not know this that jim morrison's father well we had heard i had heard he was intelligence or something jim morrison of the doors do you know what his father yep. do you know what his position his father had he was a naval ship commander and he was the commander yeah. of the ship that the whole Gulf of Tonkin false flag deal revolved around. That didn't happen, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well, Amazing. Uh, I, I mean, why, why, why is this not, why is this not uh, a, a generally discussed uh, popular topic in the? Uh, in the conversation of the conspiracies that weren't a theory, uh, well, this is because it would um, expose and validate and confirm the, uh, uh, the the plan, the process, the Hegelian dialectic, uh, problem, reaction, solution. Um, you know, uh, two months ago on this very show, I said, uh, as, as we were closing, you were closing it out, Roger, I said, my, my parting comment to everybody two months ago was uh, problem, reaction, solution. This, there's nothing new going on here, okay? I mean, they use different events and vehicles, but there's absolutely nothing going on here. New, there's no, nothing new going on here. It's, it's of a scale that's never been done before, but this is just because all the previous ones that were never addressed and brought to justice have been allowed to metastasize into this. I'm telling you that there has not been any truth and reconciliation for all of these atrocities. And you can pick your timeline, but I'll just start with uh, the Civil War is a good one. Hey, you can pick your own. You can pick it up anywhere you want to along the way. They have built upon each success. Sure have. Can I uh, <laughs> chime in here, Daryl? Sure, dear. Go oh, ahead, please, please, please. This is something that bothered me for a long time. Uh-oh. Calling the atrocity a civil war is a horrific misconstruction of linguistic deceit. There is no such thing as a civil war. War is about destruction, death, blood, obliterating the enemy at all costs. 
There is nothing pretty about it, and those who lust for war have no real sense unless they are truly possessed with psychopathy that was being spoken of earlier. Now, there's a, there's uh, a there's small percentage of people that that really brings their chimes, and that they, they absolutely thrive on that, but i got to think it's a small percentage. Well, I don't dispute that. Well, the ones infectious. that are ordering people to follow it's, these orders do what they do, but you should have a it, sense it, of what's it, right and wrong and do what's wrong. I mean, you know, they they get caught it's, up. It's they're young. They're they're very they're very susceptible to all these emotional tugs. They start tugging on this patriotism string. They put everything up there. They glorify it. These young kids that are eighteen, seventeen, nineteen can't wait to get in it. They go and and the minute they get in it for any length of time, they're damn ready to get out as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. Well. well. You know, yeah. um, let me go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, uh, I was just going to say, uh, looking at this COVID-19 thing and its global uh, in, um, influence, I the, looking at this and thinking about this for weeks now, uh, and, and this comes right down to my local county, the news people, Um, I believe that there's some strong hand, actually. I don't believe that what we're being told is true at all. Um, From uh, evidence of hospitals not being full, uh, the the whole debacle of the testing and we don't know how to test and all this stuff and the vaccine, you know, their remedy. um, This is... The, the fact that it's a global thing, which I've never experienced in my whole life, um, this does smack to me of, uh, I think it's Revelation 13, where the whole, you know, everybody worships the beast. And um, because there has to be some type of supernatural power that kowtows uh, every, all these countries, right down to the local news people I watch well, speaking on the TV, well, Doug, um, to be able to do this, Doug, pull it off. Every one of yeah. their perspectives, all those people you just mentioned and talked about, they're all approaching this like a flu. They're approaching it like an illness. They're not approaching it like a bioweapon. When that yeah, but trans- what I'm saying... When that transition happens, we'll get some different results. And I got to think that a large percentage of the population is already somewhat informed on this. Well, what I'm implying, I'm implying that underneath it all, the news commentators, the people in the hospitals, the doctors, everybody they're putting up on the TV to spew this lie actually know. So it's not, they're not, um, they're not deceived. I think there's a, a massive involvement in this big lie here for whatever reason. It's the, uh, it's the, what, what you're describing here is the, uh, the, uh, the, the Luciferian religion of, of, uh, of uh, Freemasonry. I, I mean, it's not, 
listen, it's really not more complicated than that. Uh, the Freemasons uh, worship Lucifer. Okay. End story period. And uh, the Mockingbird Media uh, is under their control and direction. So you, what, you're, what you're talking about here, Doug, is simply, is simply a, uh, the uh, expression of their religion. Uh, and 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 the 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 religion of Lucifer is uh, thievery, death, and murder, and destruction to bring about uh, a new peace, uh, to bring a light and free humanity from the, uh, the you know this abusive father. The messianic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, they have a they have uh, a label. Yeah. They have a label for it. I've read it in their books. It's called the messianic age. And the messianic age is when they control totally the world. All each of them have two hundred slaves, and all the property is theirs. Yeah. That's the messianic age. And isn't it okay. revealing that they would call it Freemasonry? It's nothing. It, it is totally the opposite. The Freemason. I yeah. agree with you. Everything's um, dialectic. It, it is masonry. Everything's yep. dialectic, yep. Doug. It's all based on that principle. That's why it's so important to incorporate that into your knowledge and understanding and toolbox. And everything that you this, approach, this, you got to think yeah. dialectic because it's all based on it. This is this is the part. This is the part that Doug and I, and actually we're all talking about here, is the part where. Uh, uh, any number of people, including Cliff I in particular, uh, they miss it. They miss the spiritual aspect of this. Uh, and their spirituality isn't founded in, in the word of uh, God the Father and his son. So they miss this. They, they, don't, they don't see – they see the big branch, but they don't see the root. And uh, but I mean, not to say that he doesn't have some important information and perspectives. Uh, yeah, he does. But – in, unless you understand the root of this, the rest of this you'll you'll get lost. You'll get lost in the branches. And uh, let, let me put it to you this way: uh, I, I wrote this also here this morning. Is that? And, and actually, it goes. It's interesting because you guys were talking about it, Chris and you uh, and Terrence uh, earlier. But um, it, it basically comes down to this: is that uh, I can. Uh, they have misdirected your eyes and your thoughts and your mind. Uh, for those that not have a love of the truth, I will send them a strong delusion. They would praise the grace of Jesus and then serve the world. Uh, uh, they're modifying and adapting their philosophies and belief system to adapt it comfortably to their behaviors, desires, and their associations. Uh, I, I chose all those words specifically. So people will modify uh, soldiers, uh, police people's uh, authority figures who are working inside the system will modify their belief systems to comfortably fit into their associations. Well, this is a worldly view and not one of the gospel or the law of the Father. So uh, – you know, we were really literally at a point where you asked the question, which is an oldie and a goodie. Would it, would it have helped the Titanic to change captains after hitting the iceberg? <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, so, you know, go ahead and change captains, but this, this, this sucker is still going to sink. Just so, shoot the red flares. And, uh, Just shoot up the red flares instead yeah. of the white ones. Yeah, well... Uh, it, you know, well, if, if you if you actually if you actually study the Bible, you actually study it, and you try to uh, comprehend it for what it's 
trying to say to you, you understand that we don't want to go back to whatever this system was before because it was a nihilistic, luciferian, brutal system. Uh, we don't want to. That doesn't mean I want to see people injured or hurt or uh, denied or deprived. But uh, for those of you, this is a perfect – for those of you who are living in fear, now is a perfect time to come close and uh, and find your liberty and uh, overcome your fear with uh, our Lord and Savior. Uh, because all all the works that people will do and try to do and tell you to do that don't have this in their heart, that uh, their their seed will fall on uh, on hard ground. It won't grow. So this is this is where you'll find your true uh, liberty is in the law of uh, and uh, the sacrifice of Christ. So. Uh, well, th- that's the root of my tree. If, that's if the root of my of, tree. If part of that so. involves helping your brothers out there, m- many of you are going to get ample ep- opportunity to exercise that. Doug, you were going to say something? Well, this is what we're doing yeah. today. Today, go ahead, Doug. I'm sorry. Well, our Messiah said the truth will make you free. And then we see at the end of the book that. Um, amongst murderers and adulterators, uh, adulterers, etc., uh, amongst the people thrown in there with them, so equally with them, their punishment is still the same, are all liars. And what we're dealing with right now Ooh. is a lot of liars, Ooh. okay? Yeah, and so, see... I made a decision years ago when I realized this. I, I can't lie about anything. I can't lie to, you know, exonerate myself, etc. It's lying. Lying is lying is lying. It'll be that way. The truth sets you free. And the truth represents light. It represents the Messiah. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Okay. And if you want life with the creator who is life, who is light, you can't lie. You have to be truthful. And so what is, you know, are are we living for comfort today? Um, you know, all the fear of uh, oh, the food supplies. Are going, there's, there's a supplier, okay? And that's the father. He took care of the children of Israel for 400 years. He can do it today. He doesn't change. He changes not. Trust in him. But you see, these liars, um, that's what they do. If you get comfortable with lying about a little thing, then you'll lie about a big thing. And once you get comfortable doing that, you'll lie about anything. You know, Doug, it just hit me as you're going on that oratory there. If you'll lie to people like that indiscriminately, like these people do, then you'll lie to yourself. And if you lie to yourself, you're in big trouble. It's always, it always comes down to that, Roger. If you lie to yourself, you're deceiving yourself. Okay, you're compromising yourself. And it's all about the nature of our father. He's not a liar. He's the truth. He's the way, the truth and the life. And nobody that really is a child of his can involve themselves with lying about anything, anytime, ever, because 
it's leaven. Eleven and, is and and leaven leavens the whole lump. Your body, gonna, you I'm, yourself. I'm gonna tell you what. So at times, telling the truth has some r- repercussions. Okay, and y- you got to have some guts to tell the truth all the time. And when well, somebody asks you a question, you know, if you're in that situation, somebody asks you a question or something, and you got that that John Bellucci moment. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the John Bellucci moment from Animal House. <laughs> I know. Okay. Well, I know the movie, but All right. I don't where, know. Where, you know where you, got the, where you got the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, you know? Yeah, yeah. But people come to that moment, that John Bellucci moment, and inside you got to come, you got to say, well, am I going to lie here and save myself a little a little cover, or am I going to have to tell the truth and suffer the consequences? Well, the thing is, is yeah. from my experience and testimony, is I came out of a dark place and didn't want to live anymore, and the Father delivered me through some wonderful uh, kind of a miraculous thing and i never looked back okay i served him and still do and it doesn't matter because he's greater than my life okay uh, i'm i know where i'm uh, what his promises that's what i'm working for i'm working for his kingdom most people aren't working toward his kingdom no, boy, that's an which under- is about that's an understatement yeah, <laughs> Which, which is, which is, his kingdom is about his nature, They're and working. his nature is is truth. It's light. It's Duh. the way. It's it's Duh. life. Yeah. They're working on their own kingdom, man. To heck with that other one. Harvey joined us right here at the last. Of course, he waits till the last minute. I also wanted to add well, Jimmy Carter's name yeah. came up a couple of times today, Harv, and I hey, wanted oh, to yeah. add that there's a. There's a, a there's some evidence out there. Did you know that uh, who who was his mama, Miss Mimi or whatever her name was? Did you know that she was yeah. a Rockefeller private secretary? I had heard yep. that recently. Yes, and then she took yep. a year off of absence from her job there a period <laughs> about the time he was born. And then we got Doug. Doug's from out there right around Hot Springs, Arkansas. There's also pretty good suspicion that Bill Clinton's one of these illegitimate Rockefellers, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, all right, look, let me just say real quickly, I I was listening and not talking, um, uh, about the we can't lie about anything. That's not exactly right. The commandment says thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That's a different thing. That's, uh, That's talking about telling a lie when it's injurious to someone to whom you have the obligation or for whom you have the obligation to tell the truth. Remember that the Hebrew midwives were constructed by the Pharaoh to kill all the Hebrew boys as they were born. And they lied to the Pharaoh and said that, oh, these Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are very quick in their birth, and by the time we get there, the baby's already born. Um, and it says in Genesis, God rewarded them. Was it? Yeah. No, Exodus. Yeah, Exodus. Uh, yeah. It said that uh, God rewarded them for doing that. So there are times, not everything, you know, all military operations 
must be cloaked in deception. That's the greatest, the greatest force in war is keeping your enemy from understanding what you're doing, where your troops are, what you intend to do, and knowing what theirs are doing. So that's all I got to say. I agree with you, Harvey. You're correct. Yeah, very good. Yeah, point, but it was, it, was for, it was lying um, to exonerate. It's wrong to, to lie to exonerate yourself when you're wrong, but not to help others. Well, Harvey, yeah. don't waste yeah. till the last two minutes to call well, in. Yeah. Next time. yeah. But, but Doug didn't say that till the very end. Well, and Doug, speak your piece no. earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, we'll, uh, we're, getting, we're getting whistled out of here, obviously. We'll be back with Paul tomorrow, I'm uh, assured, because he's been real quiet lately. He's just sitting at home. I want to find out about this this revolutionary spirit they oh. had over there on oh. the island the last few days. Actually, oh, hold on. Going out in public and defying the police orders to stay shut in. How dare they? And the English police say, don't you even think you're going to go out in the forest and have a picnic? We'll find you. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll hear from Paul and see what his take is on it. You guys have a good day. We'll see what happens the rest of this one. It's a fluid situation. Stay fluid. See you manana. Ciao. Mm, manana. And Bye-bye. drink lots of fluids, too. I'm 85% fluid. will swallow you. Lay your body down.